I had to cut that previous episode short uh, because someone was coming. <laughs> they already know I'm an idiot. But no use um, flaunting it. Um, people approach my shed sometimes. You know. Get out! Get out of here! I'm busy. I'm busy talking to myself, you know. Um, uh, I've actually decided to call that previous episode Skit One. Uh, because as I was speaking it, I was enjoying it. And um, it was coming across to me like a skit. You know? I might go to the comedy festival with stuff like that one day, when we get out of all this COVID stuff. Um, and just get on the stage and just rant off the top of my head. You know, because these things are just take one. You know? I didn't even know. I thought I was going to talk about a book in that previous episode, and I ended up talking about funny stuff, uh, funny to me, you know, it's only about me, it's all about me, you know, if I were uh, to go to the comedy festival and try these skits out, uh, I'd like to make them special coronavirus editions with no one in the audience, just an effigy of me down there looking at me, because that's what I'm doing right now, you know, I'm talking to my favourite person, and um, it's a very appreciative crowd, you know, um, these uh, episodes, this YouTube channel, it, it's for me only. Uh, but I got cut short on that previous episode. Um, so I'll continue it on. I can't remember what I was talking about, though, at the end of it. Yes, I can. <laughs> I was talking about Joe Biden. And then I got on to... <laughs> indentured labour or something. And then I got on to straight old labour. And I got on to Paul Keating. I remember that because I was a big fan of Paul Keating. My brother-in-law and I, Paul and me, uh, not Paul Keating, another Paul, uh, we went and saw the stage show or, uh, that was called Paul Keating. Keating the Musical. Paul Keating the Musical is hilarious. Um... Obviously, Alexander Downer in fishnets and all that sort of stuff. But it was fantastic, you know. The sweetest victory of all. Yeah, it was post that. It was just around the corner from where I worked at the time. Where I still work. In some sense. Oh, God, people are coming again. I might just keep talking anyway, except quietly. Uh, anyway, what was I talking about? Um, oh, I remember I was talking about um, three levels of slavery. Or maybe there's even four in my head, um, and one is slavery, yeah, and we abolished that worldwide, we had to drag a few people kicking and screaming to the table, you know, it took them about another hundred years before we, before, I'm not sure that we've stopped it all yet, um, we stopped a lot of it, I, I know there were some countries in Africa and the Middle East that really still wanted to keep it going, oh, we love our slavery, you know. Um, I, I've got a goddaughter who's interested in Ethiopia, so just because of that, I know Ethiopia was dragged kicking and screaming, screaming to the abolishment table. They wanted to keep it going. You know, I think they got rid of it in the nine, late 1940s or 1950s or something like that. And I think, um, I can't remember which countries, and I don't want to defame a country. Was it Oman? Had it right up. 
um, until 1970. I might have slightly the wrong country, but one of those Middle Eastern countries, you know. Humans have always loved slavery, you know. Um, ever since we got civilised. Oh, I know how I got onto all of that. Um, because um, this book I'm listening to, you can do that these days, well, uh, it, uh, it was talking, uh, Noah, his name is, I can't remember his full name. Um, Trevor Noah? <laughs> Noah's Ark? I don't know. Um, but he was talking about, you know, that huge revolution that was agriculture. 10,000 years ago, 9,000 years ago, 8,000 years ago, Jordan, you know, and also in other places, South America. Uh, was that the Mayans? You know, um... And there was a little spot here in Victoria, in Australia, where they were doing aquaculture. Yeah. Could that count? I reckon it can. Although we don't know if that was 9,000 years ago. That might have been 300 years ago for all we know. Um, sometimes it gets a bit tricky how long ago some things are here in Australia. Um, because, uh, for example, um, our goddaughter, who I spoke to and I, uh, we took our kids for a field visit to the Bora rings of Sunbury, which are um, indigenous um, uh, initiation grounds, you know. Really amazing, just in the suburbs. You know, it's just a vacant block, but they've fenced it off and that's a Bora ring in there. And I went up there and I looked out over the... And it's up on a hill in Sunbury, that's a beautiful spot. Sunbury's beautiful, it's actually surrounded... Um, by a ring of mountains, essentially. It's in a valley. And um, and all around the outside of that sort of hilly area, um, that, that, you know, the local council, government, whatever, uh, promised that that would always be a green belt. When I, you know, when I was in Sunbury um, many years ago, um, I lived there for a while, a couple of years, maybe three, um, when I was younger. And um, I'm an Essendon boy. Besides then, besides that, uh, but um, there was a ring around Sunbury, and that was a green belt. It was just farmland, and uh, and that that was promised to the people of Sunbury to you know, be kept like that forever. You know? And um, and that was lovely. And uh, and now, and then inside, you know, once you go over the rise, whichever way you come into Sunbury, you go over a rise, and uh, and and then you've got the town. You know, it's a very historic town, and I love it, actually. I love Sunbury, and um, extremely historic. Uh, it goes back to, you know, if, are you from England? You know, it goes back to about the 1840s, maybe even the 1830s, that far back. Your own house goes back further than that, doesn't it? <laughs> but for us, pretty good. But there's one part of Sunbury, a couple of parts of Sunbury that go back a lot further than that. These Bora rings, initiation grounds for the indigenous people. And um, and uh, I stood in one of those uh, Bora rings. Um, you know, I don't know what they used to do in that. Maybe they used to scratch everybody's chests, you know, and all that sort of stuff. You know, initiation, you know, the old initiation thing. Um, and um, scarifying, they call that. Uh, but I looked over the, I looked, I turned around and I looked at the scenery and I went, oh, I reckon I could just about see clear through to Geelong. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful 
uh, break in the mountains, the hills, and there's a river down there, and it's on a slope. You know, I could see why they picked it. And just for a moment, I, I could just, I went back hundreds and thousands of years maybe, just sitting there saying, there were blokes here, just, I think it's only males in the Bora Rings. I think the women had to um, sit around on the outside, you know, Islam style maybe, you know, because I went to a Ramadan uh, break fast once. I had a Turkish friend. His great-grandfather and my great-grandfather were both, um, and, you know, both, in World War One, and I joked um, that if our great grandfathers met each other, he was Turkish, by the way. Um, if they met each other, they would have shot each other. <laughs> he laughed and look at us here. I said to him, "Yeah, on the fifteenth floor of the Richmond House and Commission Flats, fantastic." Took my wife up there once. She said, "You take me to the highest places, Damien, uh, Charlie, whatever your name is. Um, you know." And uh, I said, "Yeah, that I do." <laughs> and um, Anyway, he was in physics with me, you know, it's a long story. Um, so, um, anyway, oh, what happened to his great-grandfather? Um, his great-grandfather got shot by a Turkish farmer you know, on the way home from Gallipoli. Gallipoli, you know, that means something like galley, galley, gallo, galley, milk, you know, white city, poly city, white city, you know, beautiful city, something like that. Uh, galley, gallo, you know. gallo means milk, gallo, gallo, I can't say it, I'm not Greek, I'm married to Greeks, you know, but, um, and I think that's where the word Gaul came from, because they're the whiteies, you know, the gallo, the Gauls, um, the Greeks tended to name everybody by skin, skin colour, you know, um, and, um, you know, they're all the, you know, the others, you know, the whiteies and the blackies and the brownies, you know, um, and it was quite a thing. Yeah. I read in Sinbad the Sailor once <laughs> that um, a great king from Persia, you know, because Persia, you know, Greece, don't tell them that. Um, but, um, and to impress Sinbad, he had two rows of slaves either side. And he had his black slaves on the left and his white slaves on the right. Uh, I've got a daughter out there, she doesn't care. Uh, I'll keep talking. You right there? All right. Anyway, that's the way it goes. Um, yeah, skin, skin color. You know. it's, it's been big for a long time, but you know, and the and the, the dark-skinned people, you know, the Greeks called them Ethiopians, you know, which I think means burnt faces. You know. And the white-skinned people, they were called Gallo. You know, the milk skins. Uh, and anyway, um, so. Uh, what was I talking about? I'm a bit distracted because there's people outside. Um, but um, I was talking about slavery. That's right, that's what got me under all of that. And then I said the first level of slavery is slavery. You know, and we finally, the penny dropped with humans. Maybe it's a good idea to get rid of that. I don't think the penny dropped. I think um, economic circumstances made it possible. You know, industrial revolution, it could only happen in Europe. You know? And... Um, and, you know, it was a little bit like the Civil War in America. Oh, the northern people were so nice, they wanted to get rid of slaves. And the southern people were so horrible, you know. All the Republicans up north, they're lovely. 
You know, all the Democrats down south, they're bloody racists and all that sort of stuff. But the economy down south relied on slaves and the north was industrialised. Humans aren't that nice. They become nice when they can be. Yeah. Great big civil war. Yeah. It wasn't over slavery, I don't think. I'm not a history expert, uh, but I think it was about, you know, the north was um, pushing a, a certain kind of an economy. And the South wanted to see, you know, they had cotton fields. And industrialization was not going to um, keep the economy going down there. They wanted to keep the slaves. If the roles had have been reversed, if the humans had have been reversed, Lincoln would have been down there. You know, and General Lee would have been up there. I know they're not the two generals in play, but you know what I mean. Um, so, um, so there's that, you know. Sometimes you can be nice, so you will be nice. But that doesn't mean you are nice. It just means you can be nice. And that goes for all of us in this day and age. I think we'd all be pigs, mainly, given slight, slightly different circumstances. I don't think we're that nice. Whatever colour we are, whatever. Yeah. Um, all our precious rights are a privilege, not a right as far as I can see, because they would all be stripped away from us by ourselves if things ever took a turn for the worse again. You know, if coronavirus and took we've got one disaster in play at the moment, coronavirus, whatever, COVID-19, and we, you know, that might trigger an economic crash. We only needed a few, we only need a couple of other things to go bad at the same time. You know, a perfect storm, a coincidence of events and all that sort of stuff, a little bit like, you know, the fall of ancient Rome, when about four or five or six or seven things you know, all collided, you know, they had the same thing, you know, they had a plague, Antonine plague and all that sort of stuff, and then, you know, they had the Huns coming, and then they had a few other things happening, and they had a bit of corruption and all that sort of stuff, and the economy crashed, and um, and they had um, high, essentially hired mercenaries into their armies, who, you know, and the Romans were trying not to fight anymore, they were trying to get Germans to fight for them, you know, their erstwhile enemies, and, um, you know, all those things came together. You know, they outsourced their power, you know, um, a little bit like us outsourcing our manufacturing to China, you know, and suddenly that bites us in the ass. you know, and, and getting Germans to fight for them and all that sort of stuff bit Rome in the ass too, and at exactly the same time, you know, a plague rips through the legions, and then the Huns notice that they're a little bit weakened. Hey, where are those guys? I thought they were manning the garrisons and all that sort of stuff, and they're not there. Let's attack, you know. Bang, you know. And then a German just walks into the Emperor and says, you're dismissed. And the, and the Emperor goes, oh, okay. Yeah. And Rome ends with a whimper, not a bang. As Mike Duncan put it once, he's one of my favourite podcasters. Now I remember um, how I started this entire set of skits. This episode hasn't ended up a skit, but I'll call it skit anyway, just so that it's called Skit Part 2. Now, what was I... So I was talking about slavery, and then um, and then I was talking about the next level of slavery. You know, once you tick off that first level of slavery and abolish that, then you've got to get cracking on indentured labour, you know, because that's a sneaky form of, you know, almost slavery. And, you know, we, Australia kind of ended up knocking that off by about... 1900-something, 10, whatever. Um, but at the same time, we were attacking the third level of slavery, which I think is um, 
working conditions just for ordinary workers. It's a bit Marxist, isn't it? And we're coming across as a bit of a commie, you know? But, you know, Australia was into that. We were at the forefront. Way back in the 1850s and all that sort of stuff. 888. There's a big statue in Melbourne about that, you know? Um, and I've waxed lyrical about that before. Yeah. And, um, yeah, tree of knowledge and all that sort of stuff, you know? And uh, my brother went and saw that and sent me photos uh, up in Queensland. And, um, you know, the, the spirit of labour, which I, I discussed at length. And Eureka and all that sort of stuff, you know, and working conditions and all that. We were on a mission in Australia. We had some really good things going. We had some really bad things going too, but we had some really good things going around, knocking off that third level of slavery. Um, and, uh, and, and, and I think that, heavily influenced our white Australia policy, by the way. I've, I've talked about that before, um, because that, the more and more I investigate that, it wasn't about skin colour, so to speak. It was closer to xenophobia. And it wasn't even really racism. It was more xenophobia against the Chinese, you know, after the gold rush and all that sort of stuff. But it was also about the spirit of labour, you know, our version of left-wingness. Um, and that was definitely going to be destroyed if the Chinese came in you know, and all that sort of stuff, you know, because we had gone to that third level of getting rid of slavery. Look, you could go back to hunter-gathering and get rid of slavery altogether straight away, but can't go backwards, you know. Too many people would die. We've got 7 billion people in the world and 6.5 billion of them would have to die within a generation to get back to hunter-gathering. So, you know, is that a price you want to pay? Some people would say yes. Um, now, um, so... Um, I've got a chicken just outside my shed. And, and anyway, look, I'll, I'll probably have to finish this one as well. There's this third level of slavery. And the White Australia policy, If I, one day I'm going to have to go back to those debates that brought that in. Yeah, because at the same time we were doing some fantastic thing around, you know, we're the first country, the first place in the history of the planet to bring in full political rights for women. So, you know, I sort of try and weigh these things up. We're doing these wonderful things, um, so to speak, and we're bringing in the White Australia policy as well. And it's all linked, it's all wrapped up together. It's not, uh, you know, they're all intertwined. We'll, we'll pay a price. China will get us back for that, you know, for what we did, that White Australia policy to keep the Chinese out and all that sort of stuff. They'll get us back for that and we will deserve it. That's okay. You pay a price for what you want. And we will pay that price, you know, and, and that's just, that's the price you pay, you have to pay the ferryman, you know. But don't pay him until he gets to the other side. Um, so we'll just live on borrowed time for a bit. Anyway, uh, so, look, we were ticking off that third level, and we were, you know, we had a dream, like Martin Luther King, Australia did, wage conditions you know, working conditions, living standards, and all that sort of stuff. And a lot of that sat behind the white Australia policy, I'm sure. It was more a European Australia policy. It was a living style Australia policy. You know, wages and... And, and if we had have opened the floodgates back then, well, we might as well have taken that 888 statue down. And I think a lot of people didn't want to do that. Which I could see. And yet it was wrong on another level, because humans are humans, you know. But we would, have, we would have had to pay a price back then. We will pay a price again, eventually. 
um, you know, because living conditions and wage conditions, that problem hasn't gone away. We still have sweatshops. This jacket was probably made in a sweatshop. Uh, that, um, so we kind of outsourced all that. It's complicated. You know? um, nothing is neat. This world is messy. Barack Obama said that. You know, he did a big speech against cancel culture. You know? And he said, the world is messy. It's not neat. You know? uh, because people try and make it neat. You know, All the world could love each other. We are seven billion beautiful souls and all that sort of stuff. You know? All you need is love. Well, that's neat. You know, that's the sort of thing that Archbishop or whoever he was, um, Desmond Tutu, but it wasn't his name. He was like Desmond Tutu at Megan and Harry's wedding, you know, the first estate guy, you know, that was saying, all you need is love. You know, he had this church full of rich people at Megan and Harry's wedding, like super rich people, and uh, Megan and Harry also super rich, and they're all sitting there and, and kind of, that's the elite class, you know, the super rich class, and they brought in a priest, now that's the old first estate, second estate, third estate trick, you know, um, to give them moral authority to be rich. You know? So then you get the priest to say that, you know, in the modern, the modern religion is all you need is love. You know, it's not Christianity any Christianity anymore. It's all you need is love. So that's the, that's the new priestly class will say that, you know, because we've got new priests around at the moment. Moral authorities, you know, they say all you need is love. And this is absolutely fantastic. This is absolutely fantastic, um, because you can be super rich, and as long as you love everybody, you're fine. You can get through the eye of a needle, anything, you know. And so you get this archbishop saying, "Look at these two, this lovely couple over here, you know, Megan and Harry, just super privileged, you know." Um, oh look, Megan had to claw her way up. I respect her for that. Um, but but bottom line, he's he's talking to everyone in the audience, and. Um, and um, he's saying, all you need is love. You know, and he didn't say, all you need is justice. Or all you need is to reduce the wealth gap between the super rich and, and, and the poor, the working poor, and all that sort of stuff. He said, all you need is love. Megan and Harry, oh, yeah, and I love you and you love me, so, you know, we're going to heaven, Yeah. Um, and what you do is you get the first estate, the priest, to say something that will lend legitimacy to the rich class and all that sort of stuff. And then all the peasants outside the church, because they couldn't even get in, um, you know, they're stupid. We're all stupid. And um, we say, oh, right, those guys in there, the really rich ones, they're okay. Because the priest said so. I wouldn't have taken it from them. I wouldn't have taken it from Harry and Megan. But given the priest said, and he's black anyway, you know, bingo, you know. All that sort of stuff. All right. So that works all that out. Um, so, you know, it's this slow evolution, you know, the slow revolution um, to a better world, which might all come crashing down. Um, and maybe if it crashes down hard enough and we have a nuclear war, we might get back, might get back to hunter-gathering and we might actually get back to something very beautiful. I don't think it was that beautiful. It's not that great hiding in a cave because you are prey. You know, the wild animals come at night and you are actually scared about of them. It's not that good. You know? um, and not to mention all the other ways you can die besides a wild cat coming and just carrying away your baby. You know, all that sort of stuff. You know, everyone hiding in the cave all night. You know, scared of all the wild animals out there. You know, not that great. But, you know, there were some things about agriculture that wasn't great either. Anyway. 
So what was I talking about altogether? Because this almost brings me back neatly to the start of this whole double episode, which was that book. Ah, yes, I was talking about that guy, how he was overplaying, you know, uh, Sapiens, A Short History of Mankind, how I thought he was overplaying how good it was being hunter-gatherers and how bad it got being agriculturalists. Um, and I would agree, you know, we descended ourselves into slavery as I have just described in this episode and the one before this. Well, that did happen, but it wasn't that good beforehand, being a hunter-gatherer, you know. Even the indigenous Australians, I don't Look, it was, it was probably better for them before we came here. Oh, yeah, I was talking about the Borah Rings too, wasn't I? I forget what I was talking about that. You know, I don't know what I was talking about there. Um, so, um... That brings me back to, I'm finished, I've got nothing else to say. Um, am I, oh, the, the fa oh. Go on, take her away. Oh, yeah. All You're a chicken whisperer. You're all chicken whisperers. Anyway, that was salt. Um, oh, my wife. Um, oh, now I talk too much. My wife's out there. She doesn't talk too much. Uh, she's a Greek. Part Greek, half Greek. She's a Spartan. You know? I like the Spartans. We Australians um, aspire to be Spartans, to be laconic, you know. I haven't achieved it. Oh, what did my wife say this morning? I'll finish off with that. Oh, we were talking about... Oh, she she got some police stickers. You know, the ribbon? The police ribbon? Um, and, and put a police sticker on the back of each of our cars. Um, and um, we've already got the blue ribbon on there. There were some cops, four cops, that actually got wiped out, killed in Melbourne not too long ago, and there was an outpouring of support for the police. You know, this is apropos of nothing. I'm just adding this on to finish the episode off. And um, and I ended up talking about that for episodes and episodes as I worked my way through all of that. And then we had Black Lives Matter, which came next. And I ended up speaking episode after episode about that too. Um, and I worked my way through the whole Black Lives Matter issue and all that sort of thing. Dolly Parton said something nice about that the other night. She said, of course Black Lives Matter. Do you think only our white asses matter? Asses, you know? Um, which I thought was nice. I thought, I thought she got it. You know? But not even I get it, so how would I know? Um, but I worked my way through Black Lives Matter so in such detail. And I, and I slowly ended up a Black Lives Matter supporter by the end of the episode. So I kind of talked my way through it and worked my way through it. And, I, I, you know, I finally decided, you know, for me, that it was a form of, like, feminism, you know, where um, the world's out of balance, so you have to overcompensate in the direction of, well, women, in the case of feminism, but um, black lives, in the case of Black Lives Matter, you know, you actually go a little bit overboard, and a little bit like getting women into Parliament and everything. Yeah, I have quotas, I'm a big fan of quotas. So Black Lives Matter came along straight after. Um, and I talked about it for so long. 
um, the issues about Black Lives Matter and all that sort of stuff, you know, and the police and supporting the police as well. You know, because I, I was a heavy supporter of the police and I'm a heavy supporter of Black Lives Matter too, but there were a lot of Black Lives Matter people who just wanted, you know, they used it to, you know, they um, smash police, you know, even nice police, you know. And, um, oh, we're not smashing the nice police. They're the minority. We're smashing the institution of the police, you know, but then I know some police my brother um and um and he says no the institution's good you know we're taught all the right things and most police are even you know the police i know aren't racist or anything they just want to go to the footy you know and all that sort of stuff and you know i'm not going to come down one way or another on that debate i don't debate things i don't give opinions um but my wife you know i talk and talk and talk as i'm talking right now so fast and i just talk and talk and talk and talk and my wife just puts it so short this is why I like Spartans, because Spartans were famous for that back in the old days, you know. They could, um, something that would take me a thousand words to say, a Spartan can say in one sentence, you know. And sometimes it's a bit over brief, you know, but then they might say another sentence too, to put in another angle. But they only speak when they need to, and they say, they say it in as few words as is required, you know. And what were we talking about this morning? Oh yeah, the stickers, my wife got some stickers. And, um to put on the backs of our cars to show support for the police, you know, and, um, oh, that's lovely, you know, got to show, and she said it's sort of, you know, solidarity for Cam, you know, a bit of that, but solidarity for the police too, because when those four police um, got killed, see, we haven't been able to take the ribbons off the back of our cars, because a lot of people, are, you know, metaphorically speaking, as soon as Black Lives Matter came, and suddenly we hated the police, Everyone went, oh, rip those blue ribbons off the back of the cars. I hate police now. You know, I love them. I hate them. You know, because I, I'm, I just go with, uh, you know, go with the crowd. You know, but you know, suddenly the blue ribbon. You know, and I think there were signs, there were big billboards all over Melbourne. We stand with you, police. You know, and they all got ripped down. And suddenly we stand with you, black people. And I'm like, I'm thinking, what's going on here? You know, sometimes they, and ended up for me one of those classic either or situations, you know, oh, am I with the police or am I with black people? Oh my God, I'm with both, you know, which just sounds a bit trite, but you know, there it is. Anyway, I worked my way right through the Black Lives Matter issue, and I ended up a real Black Lives Matter supporter on this YouTube channel, you know, I worked my way through it, you know, said some deadly things one way and the other as I worked my way through it, so you can get smashed and cancelled uh, in the process of talking it through, you've got to come out with the result and the right result that everyone um, demands that you think, you know, um, and, um, or else, you know, you lose your job, you know, but uh, I did it in a mature way, and may I lose my job for that, because yeah. what you're supposed to do is hear what the right message is and then just parrot it. I agree with everything the Black Lives Matter activists tell me, you know, and all that sort of stuff. You're not supposed to talk it through and argue it through and you're not allowed to bring in nuance you've just got a, a new a meme has to come along and you just have to press like or get sacked you know? but yeah i was born before the social media age anyway but my wife put it in just a couple of words and i said oh that's nice you know the you got the yeah all right i like that thanks for putting that on my car because you told me i put that on your car yeah and i said all right thank you very much you know and i said you know isn't it funny that's all i said isn't it funny yeah there was such an outpouring for the in support of the police and then she cut me off and she said yeah and then some bloke gets killed in america and they blame our cops <laughs>
I could have, it took me a thousand words to say that. And she said it in about eight words. Yeah. I love the Spartans. They're pithy. <laughs> My wife's fantastic. Yeah.